I'm here with a very special guest today, Coach Joe Lozana, on episode, I don't even know what, 89, I think, of the podcast. We've done a bunch of these episodes. So, Coach, thank you very much for joining me. I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Coach, I think the first time I met you and most of my encounters with you have been in the weight room, and I'm always in there doing things, but I, I hardly ever see you in there working out, but you know, based on your muscles and you're walking around and you're pretty jacked, dude, when do you have time to, to get in the weight room yourself? Well, you know, that's funny. Um, when COVID hit, I, and, and I enjoy, I enjoy working out when COVID hit, I kind of said, Hey, I'm tired of this. So I actually bought a bunch of equipment and put it in my basement. So that's how I begin my day every day is, uh, stumbling down to the basement and, and, and working out. So I'll do it. I'll do it at home. Early morning. Early morning, yes. Get get a bowl of cereal and uh, down the stairs I go. Nice. What's your what's your routine like? What do you like to do in the weight room? Well, I always get uh, get five days of cardio, and then I'll have uh, a chest day, a back day, shoulder day, and uh, and then legs in between those. Mm-hmm. So so as a football player, when did you start? When did you start working out yourself? Middle school, high school, afterwards. In, in high school, it was kind of an emphasis, and uh, and then all through college, and I really enjoy it. Um, um, if I if I miss a day or two, I, I can I can really feel it mentally. Yeah. So I enjoy it. I always think, you know, I always think. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way. I'm like, do I really want to go up there and work out? And I never really regret. Whether it's something little in the weight room or it's a light run or something, I always feel so much better after doing doing something. Well, I've I've seen you in there and you're a worker, so uh, um. just little things, you know, just little things. But it does help. It, it helps the mental state for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I get more out of it mentally than than physically. Yeah, it definitely clears your mind. You know, it just makes things a little bit simpler. Things don't bother you as much after a nice workout. That's that's absolutely. Correct. I, I believe that. Yeah. What do you think about the new uh, the new setup in the new weight room here at oh, Coleman? I, I think it's exciting. And uh, one of the things that, that is so exciting about it is is the whole community can use it, like yourself, the staff. I also think it's a wonderful uh, magnet for, for kids that are, are looking at different schools and they see that facility. And, and I think it's a, a, a great draw for, for Gilman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the <laughs> when I was applying to Gilman and looking for a job not like it, it's not like it mattered too much to me as you know as a coach coming in but um, they didn't really even show me the the weight room <laughs> setup beforehand they were like yeah we'll get to that later you know but now it's something that's the first stop right. for a student athlete to check out the, the the large and luxurious weight room we have here yeah and and there's so many different uh, um, different uh, athletic activities that Gilman offers everybody gets to use it so again it's it's great for the whole community yeah um so thinking about high school athletes and the benefit of hitting the weight room I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that because as the as one of the football coaches and a lacrosse coach and just coaches in general you know a lot of the times they're trying to get their guys in the weight room what do you think why is it so important for our guys to to utilize that facility do you think that's a great question. You know, and it's, it's funny if you, if you look back way back in the day, um, coaches would actually dissuade their athletes from getting into the weight room because they said, hey, you get too bulky, you, get, uh, um, you lose flexibility, um, you're not fluid. 
And obviously that turned out to be all false, mm-hmm. um, false narrative. Uh, and since then, all the different uh, benefits that, that you get, it's actually the opposite. You know, you, you, you get the strength, you get the explosion, uh, the flexibility. It's just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And even for, you know, even for non-athletes, I think th- the major piece of the weight room is confidence because if you're just, if you're in the weight room, you're working out, we talked about the mental benefits. It, it does tend to build your confidence after doing a session in there, I think. I think that's a great point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, as a young person, as a young man, like being, you know, physically fit, you just have a mental edge and, um, you know, you've you've done something that's somewhat difficult in your day that gives you a boost, I think. I, I agree, and, and I think it also energizes you and uh, um, um, helps you out through, through all the other activities, and, and mental, physical, whatever. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the football team, how are you guys utilizing the weight room? What do you guys do? What's your routine in there? We try to get two lifts in a week, and uh, um, and we're kind of um, in and out. It's all business uh, because, obviously, we're practicing during the week. So Monday's a big lift day for us. Um, Monday we'll do a new play install, and we'll review what the bad guys, what we think the bad guys are going to do to us on Friday afternoon, or what, what they're going to run, how they're going to line up. And that, so that'll be a short practice, and then we uh, uh, we get into the weight room. Then, um, then we also try to get a lift in Thursday. So we're trying to at least get two lifts in um, during the season. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I think I see some guys in there. You know, even if it's not a lift day, they're doing some stuff on their own in the weight room too. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. Some kids you got to throw out of there. Um, right. You know, they'll do. They'll come in. They'll lift every day, and you go, "Hey, you can't do that. You need to have an off day so you can rebuild and get the benefits that you." that you uh, achieved from the lift yesterday. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. Some kids, you got to throw them out. Yeah, I think that's maybe a challenge of the new weight, weight room is that so many people want to use it, and it's great because you have a lot of guys in there and there's so much space. But maybe the next challenge, and I'm sure you guys are talking about this in athletics, is you know how to, how to teach them you know about working out and about lifting. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a great point. And so many, also the weight room is is changed a little bit from the uh, the older one. The older one there were free weights, but there also were a lot of machines. And this is really all free weights for for the most part. So yeah, I think there's some teaching that that needs to go on, and and um, and they're getting it. They're 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 eager. Mm-hmm. So it's it's working out. So uh, let's talk a little bit about football. How how's the season been going, and what how would you maybe characterize the culture of Gilman football right now? Um, it's an, another great. You get a lot of great questions, Jake. <laughs> uh, um, um, I think the, the the culture is is really trending in the right way. I think um, you know, all the kids are on. Coach Van Zyl's done a fantastic job in 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 both establishing what he expects as a culture and uh, implementing it. And I think the kids are really responding to it. And uh, right now, I think we're, off the top of my head, I think we're three and four. Um, And uh, every game, with the exception of Spalding, we've been right there. We could have, last week against Calvert Hall, we kind of spotted them 21 points early. It was our mistake. They played hard. They're a good team. And you can't really do that. You can't you can't dig that hole early. Mm-hmm. But we dug that hole early, and the kids just kept battling and they kept fighting. 
and we ended up tying up the game at one point. It, at one point, it was 28-28 in the uh, in the third quarter. Yeah, coming back from a, a 21 21-point deficit, and I think that's a great testimony to the kids. I also think it's a great testimony to the the culture that that Coach Van Zyl has established and continues to to reinforce. Our kids didn't quit. It would have been easy to quit when you're down 21, but but they didn't. Yeah. So so I, I think that that's to me is the best testimony. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And you know, I was walking up to the game and it was 21-0 on the scoreboard, and I got to see it was a very <laughs> exciting game. It was an unfortunate outcome for you guys, but 21-0. What do you say? Like, what do you say to the guys? at that point did you really even have to say anything to them or were they pretty motivated to come back from that deficit well i mean you know the the one thing you say you don't know if it resonates or if they're listening it's just hey keep fighting and just keep going one play at a time but we really didn't have to say anything to the kids and that's why i think everybody was so proud of them they you didn't you didn't have to say that mm -hmm. they just kept playing and they kept fighting and and you really didn't need to say anything they do what they had to do and they kept going yeah, that's awesome. That's that, that is culture right there. Um, so tell me a little bit about your football background. When did you first get introduced to football? What was your experience as a as a young player? Um, and how did football become a love for you? Uh, you know, at a, at a young age, I guess. I would guess. I don't know. Um, I went to uh, went to high <laughs> went to high school in uh, Boise, Idaho. Believe it or not. Uh, as a as a kid, we move. We, every two or three years, we would move somewhere, and we would move somewhere far away. So I ended up uh, high school in Boise, Idaho, and went to um, went to Idaho State University and played football at Idaho State University, and and played there for two years. And there was a coaching change and some things. And I said, uh, um, maybe it's time to leave Idaho State University. And all my family's in the South. My father's family's in Mississippi. My mother's family's in Alabama. So I wanted to kind of go home. So I transferred to University of North Alabama and uh, um, was there for spring, spring ball, and got hurt and had an ACL injury and set out a year and came back. And then we had a little, we had a little communication breakdown as far as my scholarship money. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I guess it's time to leave <laughs> North Alabama. And I ended up at Towson. And uh, played two years at Towson, and it was great. Loved it. Um, it was uh, it was a real blessing. You know, there were times where probably I was going through the uh, ACL rehabilitation and and um, didn't know how I was going to uh, 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 get through school. Where maybe I didn't think it was a blessing, but but looking in the rearview mirror, it's kind of it's a great it's a great testimony to hey God's going to get you where He wants you. And uh, um, loved it up here. Met my wife up here. Had a great experience at Towson. So uh, um, it was a real blessing. Hmm. So tell me a little bit about I Idaho first. It's kind of you know. <laughs> is that when football was introduced to you when you were in Idaho? No, I played. I played. Uh, um, you know, as a kid. As a yeah. kid, uh, always played football and basketball. Mm -hmm. um, never played baseball. Had a little trouble putting that round bat on that round ball. Um, but I never uh, played baseball either. Oh man, you throw a curve at me. I look like Jerry Lewis. It's not good, but uh, but really enjoyed football. Really enjoyed basketball, and uh, um, you know it was kind of fun too in Idaho because uh, it was in Boise, so it was pretty good, decent population. But it was also one of those deals where there wasn't a lot going on in Boise, so you'd get a huge crowd at the game. Um, um, you get to get 
5,000, 6,000 people at a, at a football game wasn't unusual. We played all our home games in um, um, Boise State Stadium. You know, they didn't have the blue turf then. They had green turf. But uh, but we'd get five or 6,000 at the game just because there wasn't a lot going on in Boise, Idaho. That was the thing to do was to, to, go, to, the, to go to the games. So it was great. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, had a couple different options to uh, um, different places I, I, I could have gone. Um, could have gone to University of Idaho. Um, Oregon State was a possibility, and then Idaho State. And looking back, um, I probably made an 18-year-old decision, which uh, um, maybe I shouldn't have made. Uh, I wasn't in love with Idaho State from day one. But uh, but again, that's all part of the journey, and that's all part of God getting you where he wants you wants yeah, you to be. Right. It's very hard. I mean, I'm thinking about some of these athletes and also just students who are applying to colleges right now and thinking about what they want to do in the future. It's very hard when you're 17, 18 years old to think about, you know, four years down the line, what am I what am I going to be like? Um, I, I think about that a lot, too, with my younger sister. She went to West Point. And, you know, when you're 17 years old and you're in high school and you're thinking about going to college you're like oh you know west point's campus is beautiful and i could go here and it's free and you you know those things maybe come to your mind and you're like maybe i'll you know military is obviously on your mind because it's an academy but you're thinking about some of those other things but you're not really thinking about i'm going to be in the military for four years and then five years after that right it's it's a huge investment and it's a huge commitment and it's Really, I mean, it's your whole life that you're that you're thinking about, which that's not for everybody. College goes by really fast, but a lot of it is a, it's it's really a big decision. I yeah, think. you know, it's kind of funny. P- parents are so involved now, and and maybe to a fault. But back when I was a kid, parents really weren't that involved in stuff. They'd say, "Hey, you know, you'll figure it out," mm-hmm. and and um, it it would have been okay with me if somebody sat down and kind of said, "Hey, let's spreadsheet this for a minute." But I, well, I want to interview you one day, Jake. You, you played lacrosse at Harvard. Um, I don't know a lot of Harvard men. Uh, yeah, Harvard's, well, can... Harvard's a long way from Idaho State. I'll tell you that. Well, I, well, I had a, a, an interesting uh, experience with Harvard because they weren't really recruiting me when I was in high school. They didn't. I mean, the head coach didn't really know who I was. He didn't really show much interest in me. But I was looking at some of the other Ivy League schools up in that area and. And this is always my advice to younger athletes who are getting recruited is like you can never go wrong with just picking up the phone and giving a coach a call because coaches get thousands of emails a day. Kids, you know, they want to go to their school and they just go through. Maybe they look at them, but they're just and they can't respond to everyone. Sure. But when I was in high school, I I don't know how I had the audacity to pick up the phone and call up the head coach. But I was like, hey, man, like I'm going to be up in the area and. He said, yeah, of course, you can come by and I'll show, show you around and we can talk a little bit. But if I never made that phone call, I would have never had the opportunity of going there. And I think that's really important for young guys who are, you know, thinking about where they want to go. And if they have a dream school in mind, you can't really go wrong because the, the voice-to-voice interaction is much different than just an email that you can send out. So, yeah, that, that kind of took a shot in the dark there. That's Which, a great message. That's a great message. Yeah, but um, but the recruiting is another, I guess, piece of of you know coaching, and I don't know how is that. How do you guys handle that as high school 
coaches now, like guiding guys through the recruiting process? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not that involved in that portion. Um, um, I was kind of a fill-in because Coach Van Zyl was fulfilling his contract at St. Paul's last semester. And uh, um, um, I, all I would do was kind of uh, connect the coaches that would come to campus to meet with the, with the different kids. Um, you know, that's kind of a unique, uh, that's, a, that's a great question because I think everybody is, uh, everybody's story and everybody's journey is, is unique. And um, I don't think there is a particular formula that you can use because, again, um, everybody's situation is so unique. And, and I, I almost feel bad for kids now um, because of the, the portal. It's really complicated, everything. Um, these college coaches, it used to be they would focus exclusively on high school kids for, for their incoming class. Well, now they're kind of cruising through the portal to see who's available. Right. And that, that just complicates the, it complicates an already complicated situation. Is the port? I guess the portal came about during COVID. I I assume that was ha- happening in the lacrosse world is during COVID. But I guess it's always been around, and it's just maybe more so utilized now that so I, many guys are transferring. I think it's relatively new. It used to be if you transferred, you had to use your redshirt year or sit out a year. But there's been so much pressure on the NCAA um, with. Um, threatening of lawsuits, I think that they have kind of uh, acquiesced and and said, okay, we'll make accommodations and try to try to uh, um, appease everybody mm-hmm. and and make everybody happy. Just like the nil money, I mean, the 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 nil money, which is as you know, name, image, and likeness, that 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 materialized from a um, a threatened lawsuit, and the NCAA just said, we're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Fine, you can have nil money. So, so like with the portal, you could theoretically play at four different schools, four different years. Right. That's tough to do. I mean, what was it like for you transferring a couple of times? Was it when you found Towson, did you know that you found the right spot for you? Um, that's, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. When I was at Idaho State, um, I kind of knew I goofed up <laughs> early on. I went, oops. Um, um, went to North Alabama and... Uh, Really liked it there. Really, really liked the campus and everything. And then, then when I came to Towson, it was almost um, a forced choice. You know, I remember, uh, um, I remember looking at a map, going, "Okay, if I if I just stay on 95, I'll run into this place." Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I, I loved Towson and uh, was happy right away. And um, um, you know, I, I think. I think it was kind of fun to to experience different different campuses and different areas and different people. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually thinking that same thing the other day. Like I had an amazing time at Harvard and loved the school. You know, lacrosse was a little shaky, but that's all right. But I was watching the uh, Tennessee Alabama game and watching how crazy the Tennessee fans and students were going, and I was like, wow, it, it'd be pretty cool to go to a yeah. you know, Southern big football school. Um, so was Towson the first, was that the first time that you were in Maryland before you said you looked at it on the map? That was the first <laughs> that was time. The, that was the first time I was in the mid Atlantic, uh, Northeast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so after you graduated, you chose to stay around this area. Um, 
what I'd wanted to do was uh, um, coach college, coach college football. And right out of Towson, I uh, took a job at Western New Mexico University. Jeez, you're in, all over the I place. I know, I know. Um, in, in Silver City, New Mexico. And I, I still remember my compensation package was uh, $2,000, free dorm room, and free meal ticket, and free grad school. And uh, um, that was in, it was an NAIA school, which I, I don't know if you're familiar with NAIA, but uh, it's, it's kind of a, a sister of the NCAA. You don't see it so much out here. But that uh, with an NAI school, there's kind of no there's kind of no rules, you know. We had guys that were uh, 30 years old on the team, you know. Um, um, it was everybody had a story. Everybody had a story at Western New Mexico. Um, and then I came back to Towson and coached, and I was kind of a um, graduate assistant type coach. And I did that for two or three years, and I applied around for jobs and never materialized. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, I kind of figured, okay, it's time to time to move on. Hmm. So what has it been like for you, I guess, starting at Gilman? And, and, you know, I know you had a couple sons that went to Boys Latin. Why did you choose to, uh, to apply for a job at Gilman? And what, what's it been like here so far? Oh, well, it's been, it's been great. Um, really love the culture, love the community. And, and one of the great um, testimonies to that is you look at all the alumni that have come back. Uh, you know, share an office with Ned Imla. He's a, he's an alumni. Uh, um, coach with Alec Birch. He's an alumni. Um, uh, Russell Wren. Um, you just go on and on. There's so many alumni that that have come back here, and and I just think that's a uh, um, kind of defines the culture and the and the community that 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 Gilman offers. Um, I was uh, I coached at Boys Latin for gee whiz, nine or ten years, and then started coaching at Gilman, and a job opened up, and, and so let me let me update the old resume, and yeah. uh, fortunately things worked out. Nice. And when you were coaching at Boys Latin, what was your, I guess, what, what else were you doing? What was your other, I guess, career during that time? Um, well, after, uh, after the, uh, um, um, my, my quest to be a college football coach didn't materialize, um, I got into selling property and casualty insurance. So what we would do is we would sell insurance to companies, to businesses, um, like workers' comp, general liability, and, and um, automobile fleets, um, professional liability, that kind of thing. And, and that was really my career. Um, I did that for 20, golly, 25-plus 20, years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and enjoyed it. it. Enjoyed it. It was it was it was actually fun. You 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 when, when you know you, probably when you hear selling insurance, you don't think of fun, but it was fun. It was fun because every day was kind of a field trip. So like like one of my clients was the nation's largest uh, builder of roller coasters. Hmm. So I would have to go into this guy and say, okay, how do you build a roller coaster? And they would explain the process, and then they would explain the um, after the completion that the, the the protocols that they had to follow to make sure that that they were approved and that it was safe and that kind of thing. Um, so each individual business that you would go to, 
you would ha- they would kind of tell you how they made a living, and it was it was it was fascinating. It was uh, it was like being on a field trip all the time. Yeah, you probably learned a lot about really, some really niche. did really did and met a lot of uh, very bright, uh, intuitive people that that maybe I wouldn't have met otherwise. Yeah. So I actually I enjoyed it very much. Hmm. Um, and, and it's pretty awesome too that you got to do you know something that you really excited you during the day but also have the football piece and the you know competitive and sports driven piece that you always were connected with too you kind of got the best of both yeah, worlds yeah yeah no i was i was fortunate and i was fortunate that that way and, and another good thing about that uh uh profession is you, you do have flexibility you know you're on the you're on the road a lot uh usually windshield time um but uh but but you have flexibility so so yes you're i agree with you i was very fortunate Mm -hmm. so i usually don't ask uh i usually try to keep our podcast sort of conversational but there's one question that i wrote down that i think applies to what we're talking about um and it has to do with like advice you might give to maybe somebody from gilman who's you know coming out and getting ready for the world real world but do you have any advice that you'd give to like a smart, driven college student, maybe a Gilman graduate who's entering the real world? And what advice should they ignore? That's another good piece <laughs> of it. Um, wow, it's a it's a good question. Um, you know, right right off the top of my head, um, I don't know if it's advice, but maybe it's an adjective of perseverance. You know, there were so many times in my life, and frankly everybody's life, where there were obstacles maybe you didn't see. Um, I had no idea uh, I'd be at North Alabama, you know, and, and, and then I end up hurt. And uh, um, frankly, I had a lot of trouble with my rehabilitation on my knee also. Um, I, I couldn't regain my flexibility. And, uh, um, you know, and then, then I'm on my way to Towson, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at a map going, you know, I don't even know how to say it. I don't know if it's Tozen or Tonesen. I don't know where I'm going, man. <laughs> I just know I'm going up 95. But uh, the, the great testimony there is um, I persevered. Um, I didn't quit. I didn't say, hey, things didn't work out. Let me, uh, um, let me hang this up. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but but the the I would encourage young people to persevere because you think you're going to get curveballs, you're going to get things that don't go well, um, you're going to get problems, and if you continue to persevere and understand and appreciate that, that's part of the journey, and it's also it's a gift too. Um, um, Probably what I went through as a, as a college student um, enabled me in my professional life to, I didn't have to relearn that lesson. I had already learned that lesson to, to persevere and if it's not, uh, and adapt also. Um, so, so, so that would be the, uh, the one thing. Um, the second part of your question is what what should you ignore? Yeah, that's that's a tough question. Yeah, that is a tough question. Um, um, I, I, I'm not sure I'm, I can answer that one either, but I would probably encourage people to listen to 
a lot of different areas and a lot of different advice, but also have the ability to develop a filter because you're not going have the ability to analyze and be analytical about what people are telling you mm-hmm. and develop a filter and be able to say, no, that's that doesn't make sense. So, so I guess I would encourage everybody, or I would encourage young people to keep their keep their ears open and their their mind open, but also have the ability to think about it and reject some of it. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that person that's giving you some advice, maybe that's good for them, but it's not good for you. So so I, I would maybe say uh, perseverance for the first half and the second half. Be discerning in in and what you're told and, and what you hear. Yeah, I think that's really good advice because there are so much there's so much noise in the world right now. You're getting wow. advice from you know your football coach. You're getting different advice from your parents. Your friends are telling you some things. I was thinking about this podcast that we do and how many podcasts there are out there that people might be listening to. And there's there's millions of them now. And you know there's so much from social media to the internet to things you can listen to on your phone coming at you and it's very hard to make a decision or listen to yourself like that's that's such a valuable skill that yeah. probably not many people have it's, it's getting complicated isn't it especially it is. when you're uh, 18 and your frontal lobes aren't fully developed so it gets real complicated so right i feel i mean i feel for some of the the students and the athletes here that have to make decisions and figure things out with all of that noise going on sometimes it's definitely difficult um yeah, interesting. So you talked a little bit about your ACL, and I have an advisee who, you know, he's finally back and, and playing again, but he tore his ACL twice. And I, I've been thinking about how, you know, what it takes to come back from an injury like that, not only the first time, but another time. And in your experience, like, what was that injury and that adversity to you? And, and how'd you, you know, how'd you pull yourself back out there and persevere through that? Um, that, 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 could probably be another podcast, um, but uh, um, it's funny. I, I so I tear my ACL, um, have it operated on, and it uh, I couldn't get my flexibility back. I couldn't um, I couldn't get my extension back, and and I was uh, um, it it just wouldn't come back, and my leg was crooked, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I went over to see the New Orleans Saints team doctor, and he looked at it and he goes, "This happens sometimes. Sometimes they'll they'll freeze up. Um, so it's unusual, but it happens." Um, and he says, "You know, you're about six months post-op. You're probably not going to get it back." Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so that was a long car ride home. And uh, and what year was this for you? That was um, I was uh, in between. Well, it happened at North Alabama, so it was like before I'd come to Tal. I'd come, I'd um, transferred to Towson, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and I remember. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm I was living in Mississippi, where I'm from, and uh, <laughs> I was. I was working at a, a restaurant where you served. We had we had catfish and chicken on the menu. If you weren't eating catfish or chicken, you weren't eating. Um, and I would do that at night, and then I would go to this rehabilitation place in the uh, in the morning. And I remember there was a, a a young lady who had just 
graduated from LSU and um, I went to meet her and told her what the doctor said and she was like he's wrong we'll get it we'll get it done and uh, um, we worked very very hard on, on getting the uh, extension and the and the flexion back and praise heaven it came back and uh, um, so it was a long road and it was uh, and again um, it kind of goes back to the earlier conversation of you're going to get some curveballs, you're going to get some bad things, and you have to adapt and persevere. And uh, everyone has to do it. I don't care what your uh, economic situation is or what your family situation. You got to give that curveball. Yeah, and, it, it and definitely you prepares persevere. you. It prepares you. That's why people it, think about sports as metaphorical for life because it's just you know at the end of the day. It could be your passion, right? Football is your your life, but it's at the end of the day, it's a game, and you're you're trying to make it back out there and play. But it's supposed to prepare you for other things that happen down the road. I, I think that's very true, and it, it that was certainly the case with me, um, because I think when other situations arose, I was like, okay, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go fix it. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question about mentors and leaders in your life who's been kind of you know in your life or with football the the best leader that you've had the experience of being around and maybe what did you learn from that that leader um you know what that's that's the one question i think you've answered today that bang i can or excuse me that you've asked today that i can i can answer uh, and, and don't have to think uh when i came to Towson, um probably wasn't um, um, <laughs> probably was a little cynical at that point um, you know I'd gone from Idaho to Alabama and now I'm going to Maryland which I have no idea where it's at um, and uh, um, there was a guy named Phil Albert who was um, the head coach at Towson and again I was probably a little cynical and maybe a little self-pity um, probably wasn't a super pleasant guy to be around and uh, I'm hanging around with this guy, right? And uh, this guy's talking about things I'd never heard of before. He's talking about, you know, he's telling kids, hey, I love you. I'm like, who's this guy, man? And he's talking about, um, you know, you're going to be a great father. You know, you, 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 you know, it's important to be a great father, important to be a great husband. And I'd never heard that before. I'd never been exposed to that. And, and frankly, when I first heard it, I'm kind of, again, being a little cynical, going, this guy, this guy, this guy's just talking. He's making noise. And uh, really kind of went out of my way to uh, hang around him and listen to him and, and kind of study him, maybe for the wrong reasons in the beginning. Maybe I wanted to expose him for uh, not being genuine. Well, he was genuine and uh, um, had a tremendous impact on, on my life and my thought process. Um, he, he, uh, he, he actually coached at Towson for years. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, coached at Towson for years. Then he went, he was with the San Diego Chargers for a while. Then he came back and uh, um, um, taught at Towson. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, he, uh, uh, Coach Van Zyl had, had took, take a, took a class from him when he attended Towson. Hmm. Um, what did he teach? He taught a he taught a he taught a uh, a class on leadership, um, and uh, he, he would have done a great job. He I, I 
didn't have the opportunity to take that class, but but um, he uh, I'm sure he did a great job because he, he he was a fantastic leader. But you know he's also he was a great guy, he, great storyteller. You know he 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 start telling stories, and uh, Coach Van Zyl shared with me that. Uh, uh, they go to the leadership class, and it was it was very substantive and and had good content, and he got a lot out of it. But he'd also spend a lot of time telling stories. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, um, you know, and then he says uh, he told the class, okay, you know, we're gonna have a midterm, and and everybody's like, a midterm on what? Your stories? I mean, uh, um, but just a great guy, great man, great heart, and and uh, I think that probably goes back to God getting you where God wants you to be because that guy was who I needed to be around at that stage in my life. So, so that, that one's an easy one. He, he actually recently passed away, uh, passed away maybe two years ago. Um, and I, I actually gave the eulogy at his, at his funeral. Wow. Um, um, great guy. Yeah. Wow. Um, I teach this class on leadership and character. And really? it's interesting as you talk about, he teaches a leadership class. I teach for uh, seniors here at Gilman and Bryn Mawr and Roland Park. But when you talk about leadership, it's so interesting to me, even though I teach it, that they're, you know, it's so hard to define what leadership is. I don't even know if I could define that, that term or what a leader is with words because it is something that you need to see examples of and to hear stories about. And you can recognize what a leader is. Like you recognize maybe after a couple weeks and a couple months of getting to know this coach, how he was a leader. But when you're talking about how in his class he told stories, I think that's interesting because a lot of leadership can be, I guess, intuitively understood through stories and examples instead of just a definition of what a leader is. Yeah, the, it, it comes in so many different, uh, you know, the character part, and, and that's I think it's wonderful. I, frankly, I didn't know you ta- I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know you taught those classes. I think it's wonderful you do that. I think it's wonderful that Gilman offers it, and I think it's something that's so important. And character, maybe you can define it or put your finger on it a little bit easier, but leadership comes in so many different, uh, so many different uh, um examples or forms mm-hmm. uh, you know you certainly have vocal leaders and then you have leaders by example and uh, um, so it, it comes in so many forms I it is hard to to define you know the, the, the one story that was probably off topic but it was so darn funny um, I remember at Towson my junior year we played a school I don't recall who we were playing but we were getting beat and uh, we were down by like 10 points, and there was like a minute left in the game. So Coach Albert brings the whole team together, and he says, uh, he says, look, here's what's going to happen. Um, no, we just scored. Let's see. I'm trying to get the story right. We just scored, and we had to – no, no. They scored. They were kicking off. Um, so he says, here's what's going to happen. We're going to run the kickoff back for a touchdown. Now we got a minute left in the game. He says, we're going to run the kickoff back for a touchdown. Then we're going to onside kick it, and we're going to recover it. And then we're going to go down the field, and we're going to throw a touchdown pass with no time left. Okay? Well, he's, you know, he says that, and I'm kind of going, hey, man, I love your enthusiasm, but uh, come on, partner. It's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They kick the ball off. We run it back for a touchdown. We onside kick and recover. And we threw a touchdown pass with no time left. Um, so I got on board. I got on board with my man that day. 
Uh, right. I said, hey, I'm, I'm a believer now. Um, right. How could you not? Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting because that's one, I guess, strain of leadership or commonality of a lot of leaders that I've kind of learned about is that most of them have a vision, right? Because if you don't have a vision like that or a path forward, then no one's really going to follow you if you don't have confidence in what's going sure. to happen. Um, and I, I, I guess the other day we read talked about this on the last podcast a little bit too, but I had my class read a little bit of Franklin Roosevelt talking to the nation at his uh, inaugural address, you know, 1933, he's just getting into the White House and he's, you know, mid Great Depression, I think, or like right on the onset of the Great Depression. And, um, you know, the nation is just like, has no hope, but he, he draws out in that speech a very hopeful path forward. And, it's pretty half glass full, which, you know, I guess you have to have that, have that vision and that enthusiasm if you're going to get people to follow you and to rebound from something that's not going your, your way. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Unfortunately, I think the leadership can kind of take a, and you would know more about this than I do since you, you, you teach a class, but it can take a, a, it can take a wrong you know, we read about it in the paper, you know, when, when, when maybe someone who's charismatic um, and has some leadership abilities can maybe go the wrong way and he has follow he or she has followers. Mm-hmm. So it can be uh, maybe a not good thing sometime too, which is, which is interesting. You can't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the hopeful qualities are contagious and you find that out on the football field or on the lacrosse field or any, any team, like the positivity is contagious. It rubs off amongst the players, but the negativity is almost even worse and more contagious, right? Some people start complaining when they're down or blaming the refs or blaming the coaches. And then the whole thing just goes downhill from there. Sure. I'm sure you've had a lot of, you know, and I do too, a lot of examples of being on a team and the, complaining and the you know arguing and blaming starts to starts to just spiral of course yes um what's the best team that you've ever been a part of uh well you know what the best team i've I've, i probably haven't said a a lot of wonderful things about idaho state but uh my freshman year at idaho state we won the national championship and that was that was fun that was that was fun and 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 I got to play. I was a special teams guy and and a, and a backup, but uh, it was it was fun um, because we were rolling. We were rolling. Um, that would be one example. You know, the other example I would probably use is at Towson, and we were good um, when I was there. We my my my. Junior year we were Division Two, and then my senior year we went one uh, AA or FCS. But the thing about Towson and Coach Albert, who I referenced earlier, used to say it: at Towson everybody had a story. Um, I wasn't the only double transfer. You know, we had other guys that that maybe got thrown out of their first college um, because they got in trouble. You know, we had other kids that that flunked out. You know. But, but, but the thing at Towson is everyone there was getting a second chance. And so everybody that was there getting that second chance appreciated that second chance. And that was just a great atmosphere to be around where people maybe said, hey, you know, plan A didn't work out so hot. 
but I get another I, I get another bite at the apple, and here I am. That was fun to be around mm-hmm. because people were so appreciative of the opportunities they had, and uh, um, it was a great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, what What do you think makes a great team? So you're talking about people on the team that are coming back and they realize that they have this second chance, so they're attacking it maybe with more energy and enthusiasm and, I guess, what would you say? They're they're just more excited about it than maybe they would have. Um, but, but I always think of football, even more than any other sport, as the ultimate team sport. And I'm curious what you think makes a great football team, like what components comprise a great football team. You, you, you always have these good questions. You have good questions. I mean, these, um, are you having an on week? Or, uh, uh, it's because we've done so many <laughs> podcast episodes. That just, you know? Oh, you're hot, Jake. You're hot, baby. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I, certainly there would be a lot of different characteristics I could, I could touch on. But, and I'm sure you've been around it being an athlete. It's almost that belief system. So you fall behind and you've got that belief system that hey we're going to win we're going to be successful i don't know how i don't know uh, um who's going to step up but we're going to step up and we're going to win you you just know you are you believe you are conversely back to the the conversation about leadership i don't know if you've been in those um situations where it's the opposite Two plays go wrong, and you go, "Here we go." Same old Here story. We go, man. We're we're down the drain. You know, we're 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 gonna lose. Uh, we always lose. Um, and and I'm stealing from you at this point, but that that's a great also metaphor for 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 life or um, being a husband or being a father or any other uh, facet of your life where you say, "Hey, it's it you know it's gonna work out. I'm gonna make it work out, and I'm going to." Uh, I'm going to find a way or I'm going to make a way. And, and those great teams are the guys that say, hey, I'm going to find a way or I'm going to make a way. We will be successful. They just they have that belief. It's not false. It's not um, um, something that's conjured up. It's, it's a sincere belief. Mm-hmm. But you can also flip that coin over where you've got the, the not perfect situations where, hey, it's not it's not going to go our way. And, right. and, and that's a hard ship to turn around. That's a tough ship to turn around. Yeah, because you can't fake you can't yes. fake a belief in your team or a trust in your team. And I always think about when in college lacrosse when we would start to go down and we didn't have a very good foundation of belief in our program or our team. It just wasn't what it was. Now Harvard lacrosse is much better now because there's like new coaches, new systems, and just a new culture. But when I was there – you know, our coach would always turn around and be like, you know, bench, like, let's get it up and make sure you guys are making some noise. And you can't make, I love when coaches do that and tell the bench to get excited when yep. what's on the field is not inspiring anyone. Like it's, it's gotta be authentic. Right. The bench is going to be going crazy when things are, that are good are happening when we're sure. winning. You can't just yell at the bench. But false enthusiasm. Right. Right. Go high five somebody here. <laughs> you can't fake it. Right. Um, so I think that that trust and that foundation, you've got to build, you've got to build that enthusiasm. It's got to be natural, um, which is hard to do, especially if you're not, if you're not winning, you know, got to figure out a way. I I agree completely. The beautiful thing is, is once it's established, 
it, it gets real fun real quick because the, the kids that are coming into the program, they see it, they sense it, they want to be a part of it. Um, it's hard to get, but once it's uh, part of the culture, boy, it can be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, it just re- reproduces. Sure. And that's, that's when you see these great players. I think about Tom Brady, and I don't know if you're a Tom Brady fan or not, but I, I think the one thing about Tom Brady, you know, is – when he comes into the game it's and it's example, the fourth sure. quarter and the game's on the line and or you know things aren't going the Patriots way or the Buccaneers way now and he comes out there you know that he believes right because he's been there before he's got trust in his teammates he's a pretty capable leader there's no doubt and I think that's a good example of somebody who you know who just kind of has what it takes to build a build a team sure. I don't know if you've ever heard the story about uh when the 49ers were playing the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and there's they, they've got time for one more drive, and that's it. And they're behind. They've got a score. And so Joe, Mo- Joe Montana comes into the huddle, and he's like, you know, going, hey, look, man, uh, um, you know, we're going to do this. It's going to happen. And then he points up in the stands. He goes, hey, look, there's John Candy, um, the, the actor. And uh, I'm sure that had a great impact on everybody in the huddle they're going hey this guy's so confident that that you know we've got a minute minute 30 seconds left in the game and he's like he's finding john candy and making a joke about john candy (laughs) and that becomes contagious you know people go okay yeah this guy's in i'm in they start to loosen up a little bit right because you start to tense up in those moments but yeah it's a good example (laughs) who were some of your favorite players to watch growing up um you know, I always got um, uh, Brett Favre always made me laugh. Now, he, Brett Favre is like from the same area in Mississippi that I am, so I was probably always leaning toward him. But he makes me laugh just because he's so enthusiastic and uh, it has fun. Mm-hmm. He has fun um, with it. Um, that would be the one that kind of jumps out at me for 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 whatever reason and. Maybe I maybe I need counseling, but uh, for whatever reason, I always get a kick out of the the strange guys. Um, yep, I the, think the I guys, do too. Yeah, the guys that uh, um, kind of march to the beat of their own drum. You know, yep. those guys always kind of make me laugh, and 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 uh, um, always like following them. But Brett Favre's probably the the one that would leap out at me. Um, you know, right now, um, um, boy, I like watching. Uh, Hope I say his name right. Cooper Cooper Culp, mm-hmm. the, the receiver for uh, boy, he's good. Um, yeah. So yeah, awesome. Um, all right, Coach. Well, the last question I have for you is uh, we usually do a book recommendation, and I'm wondering how much you enjoy reading, and if there's anything that you brought in or could think about for today that you'd like to recommend to uh, to anyone watching or listening here. Um, you, you know, it's funny. I uh, um. I enjoy reading, and I'll find myself um, buying books or ordering books a lot, and I'll get about 20 pages into it, and then that's the end of that. So uh, um, it's got to really grab you. Yeah, at the yeah, beginning. yeah, yeah. It's got to. It's got to. Um, I guess it's like a. Uh, I guess it's like a first date. You know, I better, better, we better hit the ground running. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, um, so I, I did try to put some thought into it um, before, uh, before I today 
I mean, the w one book that I, I really enjoyed reading is, um, I had to write it down here, uh, it's Pistol, The Life of Pete Maravich by Mark Kriegel, K-R-I-G-E-L. Um, and it was so fascinating because it was, uh, um, um, I don't know how much you know about that guy, but he was a different dude. Uh, and he, his, his father was a, a college basketball coach. Uh, his mother had a lot of, uh, a lot of issues and he was just a, he was a strange cat. Um, all he ever did was play basketball. That's it. And, uh, but gee whiz, he was good. Um, um, so it's kind of a fascinating, um, I, I, I really enjoyed it because it was, it talked about his life and, and, uh, um, um, he was a different guy. He's a different guy. And, 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 uh, he was so good at what he did also. Um, and maybe that's also a testimony that you probably don't want to be myopic in your life because he was, mm -hmm. and I think it affected him in his adult life because he is so focused on one area. Um, but it, but it, it really wasn't a sports book as much as it was, uh, psychological. Yeah. Psychological. And, uh, um, you know, and then, and then w one of the books and I, I kind of brought, I don't even know if you can find this book anymore. I just, it, it really, uh, um, I wanted to talk about it because it, it was it was had like a big impact on me, um, and I remember it's funny I remember purchasing it in high school, um, and it, the the name of the book is Expect to Win, and it was by a guy named Bill Glass. Bill Glass played uh, um, professional football, and I bought it. You know, it's kind of I remember buying it in like the bargain bin. They're trying to get rid of it because nobody you know nobody's buying it. I bought it for like three bucks or something. And you see the title, and I, I kind of, as a, as a 17 or 18-year-old kid, I kind of thought, oh, well, this is a book about um, how to be more effective in a competitive atmosphere, how to uh, succeed. And uh, um, it wasn't. Um, it was, as a matter of fact, I made a copy of the contents. Um, the first chapter is uh, Think Right Thoughts say good words, be specific, take responsibility, um, choose real friends, um, which, which is really kind of a interesting read it because it talks about things that I'm sure you talk about as a teacher, you know, surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up, not pull you down. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that chapter also is, Hey, if, you, if, if that's what you want, you have to be a good friend too. You have to be authentic. You have to, um, seek people out and lift them up. Um, it's two-way street. You know, you're going to attract like and kind. Um, let's see. Uh, handle your hurts. Go the second mile. Uh, live the faith phenomenon. Never give up. So, but anyway, it, it was like uh, that. That little 120-page book is like one of my uh, personal prized possessions. Mm. And I've I've had I've asked my you know I've told told my kids I have three sons I said hey read this mm -hmm. you know, read it read a chapter and then let's talk about it and I think it had an impact on them too I like um, how they're all pretty simple rules for, yeah, for life yeah they're just brief and, and and very important you know very very important I mean think good thoughts how simplistic is that mm -hmm. think good thoughts but uh you know that that your thoughts are going to dictate your actions so anyway right. I don't even know if that thing's in publication anymore that's great but but if it is um, it's a really quick read and it's an easy read and uh, um, 
a lot of good content. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, like the title too. My dad actually has a sign. I don't know if it's still, I guess he used to have it hanging in his office, but it says expect to win. And I just think that's a great, you know, going to what yeah. we're talking about yeah. is, you know, playing football that, or sports. It's like, you got to go into the game with confidence sure. and hope and optimism. Yeah. I think that dovetails with everything that we've spoke about today. And I also really like the pistol book and I might check that out because I, I like, uh, I like biographies that go into the way that these players and these people think because you know you can you can talk all you want about pistol pete's career but i think it's interesting to think about what was his mindset or what was on his mind all the time or what kinds of things was he thinking about and how did he handle different areas of his life i know there's a book called open about andre agassi and kind of going through you know different points as they're happening and uh on the tennis court and you know i just like the psychological component to those I, books. I, I really enjoy that also and and uh um and I'll, I'll find myself reading that a lot and uh history like a lot of history um you know it's kind of those those uh 30 for 30s on espn i sit and watch those things all day mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I i enjoy that stuff also all right well coach thank you very much for coming in on on the podcast today it was a great conversation we covered a lot of uh basis a little bit about your background and some of the things that you enjoy reading and you know football and some of the i guess rules for life like expect to win and you know think good thoughts i think that stuff is awesome so appreciate your time today oh thank you i i been, been a long time since somebody wanted to talk to me so uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate being here awesome thank you